1: Hello
2: and welcome. I've got an extra special podcast today and guest Nigel Farage. I feel really, really honoured. I watch Nigel, seven o'clock, it's a staple for me. Every evening, GB News, on to Talking Pints. Um, You know, his politics really, really chime with me. Um,
0: Nigel, welcome. Thank you. And thanks for being a fan of GB News. I think we are. It's very interesting, isn't it? Since GB News launched... We're seeing all the other broadcast channels changing their formats, um, getting more presenter-led opinion shows, getting more genuine debates. I think, actually, GB News already is beginning to change the landscape of British broadcasting.
2: And I understand your viewing numbers are are really starting to reflect that.
0: Yeah, and they're much more consistent across the day. Mm. I mean, it's not easy to measure because, you know, Barb... Is the official rating. And I always think, well, you know, would you have a spy box in your <laughs> you know in your living room? Oh, you have
2: to have that. I yeah, never knew how to do that. Yeah, that's how
0: the official figures are done. Right. So I always think to some extent, um, it's difficult to completely trust the yeah. figures. But the figures are the figures. That's the industry norm. But as you well know, you know, people watch it on the app, they watch it on catch-up, they can now listen to it in the car. You know, it's on DAB, GB News Radio. So how you measure, you know, 25 years ago, it was who was watching it live. And that's still very, very important for the business model of GB News. But there are so many other ways that people now consume news. But look, you know, it launched last June. It had some hiccups to begin with. Um, but then, you know, name me a startup that doesn't have difficulties not hiccups. But no, I, I feel the content that it's putting out now across the shows is interesting. It's varied. Um, and I think you genuinely do get both sides of the argument.
2: And I think you've got a whole swathe of sort of maybe the silent majority who are, who are watching it. You know, I'd have my stepfather at home, you know, and and, and quite a few of the friends who would tune in 7 o'clock every night, They, you know, and, and various other times during the yeah. day. Uh, and they're, I suppose, a little bit like talk radio. They're getting, you know, an alternative or maybe
0: something that chimes with their views. Well, I think one Whereas- thing, one thing that is for certain Is that on the NHS mandate, you know the idea after what we'd seen in the care homes where 30 to 40,000 people left the care industry and when it was mandated that all the NHS staff would have to have the vaccine, it's about a hundred thousand people who hadn't had it and there was a very famous exchange between Sajid Javid and a doctor Mm. at King's Hospital. Well I watched you, you had him on. And and I had him on the show and there were Mm. numerous uh, presenters at GB News, albeit again giving both sides of the argument, but, but personal opinions strongly mm. suggesting this was a mistake, it was wrong. Uh, we then saw, you know, over various COVID measures, 100 backbench Tory MPs rebel. Mm. There's no vaccine mandate and all restrictions have been lifted. And I think, do you know what? For once, mm. a free press and our parliamentary system has actually worked. Mm. I mean, it's rather nice, isn't it? So, so yeah. yeah, I do think, I do think that... I think broadcasters have a great responsibility, but I think if they get it right, they can have a very significant influence.
2: But of course, you've done this with a few issues, haven't you? You've... you've um, I don't know, you have this uncanny knack of being able to sort of sense which way the political wind will be blowing in, say, six months, 12 months'
0: time. You know, there's, there was... Which is not pure base opportunism, you know. <laughs> I can assure you of that. These are about things that I believe... But, 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 but timing of campaigns, when you really push hard, that's about judgment. And mm. yes, that is about not just thinking what are people thinking now, mm. it's what are they going to be thinking a few months down the road.
2: So, you know, you know you've got the, the sort of EU, the, 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 I don't know, were the public that against the EU, I don't know, maybe a decade ago? You sensed, you know, there
0: was, yeah, there was I
2: discord and it was going to grow.
0: I did. I did. I, I, You know, if you were a small manufacturer, uh, you, you know, making small electrical goods, the EU had already made your life a nightmare. Mm. If you were one of Britain's under 10 metre fishermen, the EU had already impacted directly on your life. For many other people, when you talk to them, you say, well, look, no, I, I get it. You know, we shouldn't really be run from Brussels, but do you know what? My job's okay. Mm-hmm. I'm fine. And it's only, and, it, and it, there was a moment when it changed. Mm. And that was the unconditional opening of the doors mm. to eight and then 10 former communist countries. And I thought, you know, these government figures of 13,000 people mm. a year yeah. will come. It's nonsense. I mean, baloney. Yeah. And that was the moment people saw rapid change in their communities. Uh, people working in a lot of industries uh, suddenly found that their wages just mm. weren't going up year after year. So that was the moment, and, and I did see that. And predict that and that made a huge difference
2: and of course there's the sort of energy crisis which you know I, I I mean I was watching you you know people often say after the event oh this person predicted X Y and Z but I watched you you know mm. this was mm. way ahead you know you're talking about the green levy you were talking about this looming sort of increase in energy costs that were coming and the political backlash that would stem from it and we're all well we're, we're here with the energy costs and I suspect yeah. you know th- there's going to be a groundswell of Public opinion: People are going to people are going to get upset. Their bills are just about to go up a lot once the cap comes off, and then they're probably going to get upset with I don't know zero, you know, green levies and 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 sort of. I first, of their...
0: sort of I first kicked off on this really properly in twenty thirteen. It was the English local elections, and government was compulsorily purchasing land all around the country. Putting up wind farms. Other rich landowners were only too pleased to get a thousand quid a day or more. We have got a biomass boiler. Yeah. Well well but here's the irony of all the net zero stuff is the mm. biggest biomass boiler mm. is called the Drax Power Station, mm. where they where they burn seven million trees every year. I've never
2: understood it. we, we run this biomass boiler in a block of flats. And um, a load of wood pellets come in in a lorry mm. uh, once a month and they fill this huge top hopper up and then we burn it. And there's a huge chimney uh, and that sort of goes into we the call environment. That green. Yeah,
0: we yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't get no, it, I don't it's, get it. It's, it's, it's been very difficult, uh, some of this stuff, because you argue that net zero is, is a ridiculous objective, mm. it's an act of national self-harm. And you're told because everybody's been riled up by this um, Swedish teenager, yeah. <laughs> um, um, is, it Gre- is it Saint Greta? <laughs> I, I, um, uh, and you're told that actually you're a denier. Um, uh, you know all yeah, yeah. Of these things get thrown at you. Well, actually, I mean, I've been an environmentalist, a sensible environmentalist, all my life. But when you actually look at what we're now doing, you know, just because you export the production of coal gas, steel, um, uh, chemicals, uh, much of our refining, because you export all of that to another country and then import the goods back in, the net effect on global CO2 is up, not down. It's nuts. And it's nuts, and it makes no sense at all. And we're beginning to understand, I think, that the more wind farms we build, the more gas we need as a backup. And I think there's a strategic argument, which is we take 9% of our electricity comes from France, through an interconnector. 50% of our gas comes in from Qatar, Norway, a little bit from Russia. Uh, Increasingly oil we're importing Mm -hmm. because some big developments in the North Sea, the Cambo oil field was scrapped recently. Why? Well because the administrations in Edinburgh and London are increasingly against the industry. But but, but I guess that's about to sort of change a little bit, is it? Well, you'd have thought logically with what's happening in Ukraine uh, that that it would change and there'd be a rethink. So I'm arguing strategically we should not be a net importer of energy. We've actually got all the resources to be a net exporter of energy. So self-sufficiency. in Fracking. Whether it's fracking or whether it's another method of natural gas extraction, Mm -hmm. um, it seems to me we've got an industry here that could provide in the northwest of England Tens of thousands of well-paid jobs. Now that Boris is what I call levelling up. (laughs) Is he really interested in that, though? Is he? uh, Because I don't. The thing is, I don't know what he's uh, really interested in. You know, we know he likes being the boss, and we know he loves all that. What does he really believe in?
2: Nobody seems to be able to tell me. Least of all him. No. (laughs)
0: Uh, You know, I mean, he is your—he is your classic, you know, sort of chameleon. Career politician, but he's very good at spreading a bit of optimism. Mm. He's very good at the right time spreading a bit of joy, mm. and given how joyless so many of our leaders have been over the last few decades, you know, I, I kind of get it. And I think in 2019, he was the right person for that moment. Somebody, you know, it, it, it needed it. It needed a Conservative majority. We needed to leave the EU. We can argue about whether we're taking the mm. full benefits of it as a separate debate. But he was the right man for then. Whether he's the right man going ahead, I very much doubt. So, uh,
2: weeks before, months before, sort of, uh, we had the the lockdown with uh, the latest lockdown with Omicron. Mm. You had the South African head of the medical association on, uh, Angelique Yep. Yeah. who I, I watched uh, on your show and and on others every. Every week, you know, almost every night, she she was coming on. She was saying, "This is mild. This is this is this is not going to be." You know, we we've got loads of cases here. We're way ahead. We've got the data.
0: She was completely ignored. And uh, it was astonishing. I mean, I also thanked her. I said because unlike the Chinese, who took a long time to tell us what was going on, mm. the South Africans identified this, yeah. informed the world I remember. exactly what yeah. it was, what its profile and makeup yeah. was. And then, as, you, yeah, as I say, in a country that was 75% unvaccinated, mm-hmm. she explained how mild its symptoms were. And there were one or two intelligent people in Britain say, said, well, actually, in a way, you know, maybe Omicron, I'm talking back November, early December, mm. you know, maybe Omicron becomes sort of nature's way <laughs> of actually us getting through the it's other end of thing. this. And the odd thing <clears> was, within a few weeks of, of me talking to her, Boris Johnson addressed the nation on a Sunday night and used the word emergency mm, four times. I remember it. You know, they were all getting ready mm. to lock us down again. Yeah. And then the rebellion began. And the rebellion began through some outspoken people in journalism mm. just saying, Whoa, this is bonkers. And some very principled conservative backbenchers, a hundred of them, standing up and protesting. So so, you know, do we give Boris credit for the fact that all restrictions in England have been lifted? Well,
2: well, he sort of ignored the naysayers in the end, in the end they? He did. you know, because you, they, they all start, the scientists, yeah. they, I don't, yes, all right, they are worried about a, a public health emergency, I'm sure they are, but you have to wonder how much of this is them wanting to sort of bolster their position, you know, gain some sort of importance. And this is just leverage as soon as this yeah. sort of thing starts, yeah. And she was there with, you know, you gave know, her the... We, I
0: know, no, yeah. She got it absolutely right. She was bang on. And and, <laughs> yeah. and, and,
2: and no one's talking about it now.
0: Yeah, no, no. She, you know? I mean, she really does deserve a medal, actually. She, she, she really, really does. I mean, she really yeah. does, you know. Yeah. I just hope we've seen our last ever COVID press conference. Uh, I can't bear the thought of the Brothers Grimm. Um, well, witty and is. balance. I, I can't bear the thought you of seeing could, them again. You could
2: bloody see it all, couldn't you? <laughs> this winter again, they get to... I mean, well,
0: we'll see. I think I think we've reached a point now with this. No more lockdowns. Oh, it's not going to happen again.
2: You think? You think? You think we're done? Right. Yeah.
0: And the great thing is, well, credit to Ron DeSantis. You know, Ron DeSantis in Florida proved them were different ways of doing this, far, far more than Sweden did, mm. even. So DeSantis deserves great credit. But of all the countries, we are the first now to come out of restrictions, yeah. and this just a few days after Justin Trudeau. Mm has behaved in the most authoritarian mm. way in Bizarre, Canada. Wasn't oh it? horrid. Yeah. You know, threatening to take people's pets and euthanize them, um, really? and, and euthanise them. Yeah. Oh. Freezing bank accounts. What? Smashing the windows of lorries to actually get into the lorries and to, 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 to tow get the them protesters away, out. Yeah. Uh, and get the protesters out. So I mean this is I mean these people that call themselves liberal mm. are actually the most illiberal people. So I think we can say yeah, you know, there were lots of mistakes made over the course of the last 2 years and at, and at times the government looked like it was following far more than it was leading and it was sort of zigzagging all over the place but in the end we've got it right and we are leading the way and we should be pleased if you want to
2: hear more from mark and nigel and listen to the deleted scenes from this interview head to rob.team the link is in the description of this podcast You think that when we look back on this, you think, you know, sort of, I don't know, the the court of, um, I don't know, the the final analysis will say that
0: loads of mistakes were made, lockdowns actually were not the right thing to do. Oh, I think that, I think the long-term view will be that the initial lockdowns, we had little choice. You know, we saw what was happening. March 2020. Yeah, we saw what was happening in Milano. Uh, we would no idea about mm. this virus. It was completely new to us. I don't think history would judge that badly or harshly. Uh, the fact that it went on forever mm. <laughs> and kept coming back. Mm. Uh, and no, I think the long-term effects, and we have seen the John Hopkins University study, suggesting that actually people's private behaviour did more to reduce transmission mm. than any government dictates. And I think the long-term health effects, uh, the millions of people who have not been screened for diabetes, the vast numbers of people whose cancer diagnoses have been missed uh, the number of kids whose normal development and education has been seriously hampered but by it's, this it's
2: never on the screen you know you you get this sort of graph it shows all the people in you know who've got the virus and all the people who are in hospital and all the deaths mm. but mm. where's the cost benefit analysis well, where's the
0: line down the screen with it's not, not that of, easy to do because we're dealing with subjectives mm. you know i talked about children's development yeah as young human beings, quite difficult to measure Mm. things like that, you know, how do you measure and mental health, I sometimes think we overuse the term mental health, Mm. but I think out of this pandemic there are a lot of people who've been through a desperately difficult time. What
2: is it, a quarter, 30% have a phobia now? Because of of something,
0: because of lockdown? There were two types of lockdown, weren't there? I mean, for those of us lucky enough to have gardens, Mm. not to live in the center of of, of busy cities, Boris. Uh, Yeah, but I'm being honest. I mean, that that first April, the weather was amazing. (laughs) Yeah, Um, yeah. But if you were stuck on the 19th floor of a high-rise block in East London with three kids, uh, I mean, it must have been Mm. pretty blooming awful.
2: I can't imagine. So I think
0: the long-term, you know, when we look back in the long-term at this, we'll say it did more damage than good. So you're often right
2: about this stuff. So where does this ability, this crystal ball
0: gazing... Ability, where does it come from? Well, I'm not much good at anything else. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the skill in life. I think the great thing in life is to try and find what you're good at. Mm. And if you're lucky enough to find what you're good at, stick to that. But I do think, on a good day, Mm. I do have a reasonable sense of how, if you like, Middle England, how you want to put this? no offense to Welsh voters or anybody else, but, <laughs> but you know, but you know what I mean. Yeah. I think I have a, generally have quite a good mm. sense of, of how people are thinking about things and will think about things. Mm. Uh, and you know, you're not going to be right every time, but I do have a good sense of it. I also understand, after twenty years in the European Parliament, I completely understand how vast the disconnect between the Westminster political classes mm. and their colleagues in the media. And by the way, they're all interchangeable. You know, one minute you're a journalist, next minute you're a politician, and and, yeah. and, and, and kind of back and forth. Yeah. Um, they're all interrelated. The number of intermarriages yeah. that go on in relationships are extraordinary. Um, they spend their weeks together. They spend their weekends together. Nobody has a hobby. No hobbies. No one plays golf or collects stamps or has a huge passion. No, 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 no. I mean, these are really, really in the main. A pretty dull bunch of people, in mm. my opinion. And they are part of something called groupthink. Mm. They finish up agreeing with each other on virtually everything. Mm. And I just don't think we'd have got to net zero, mm. as a modern example, mm. if that wasn't the case. So I think I understand that disconnect. And, and, and perhaps it's that, more than anything else, that I've got right once or twice.
2: We've got other friends elsewhere, your friends in America, and all your sort of business contacts, and you're, you're very interested in small well, business.
0: I, yeah, I mean, I had a life before politics, um, and I didn't pursue politics for a career. That, that was never the mm. objective. You know, in fact, I couldn't wait to get out, really, mm. once we'd achieved the main aim. Yeah. Um, I, I went into politics with a purpose, I went into politics with a mission, mm. whereas most people, not all, but most people in politics are there, and it's... You know, when they're at university, it's what they want to do as their career. Mm -hmm. They do it for their lives. Mm -hmm. It's actually quite a relief to see some of the 2019 Conservative intake aren't from that background. Mm -hmm. There's some quite interesting. I didn't realise that. Oh, there's some quite interesting characters uh, that have come. There's a guy called Lee Anderson, Ashfield, up in Nottinghamshire. He's now an MP. He was a coal miner. He's sitting as a Conservative MP.
2: Was he on last night? Um, he, he, he intervened he was,
0: in a debate in the House of Commons. Yes. Yeah, and he said, with no Consisting more lockdowns. Amazing. He, he said, my, no more yeah, lockdowns. Yeah. He said, in future, yeah. the, only people that should, the only people that should be protected yeah. and kept away from society yeah. are the vulnerable, the elderly, and the Labour front. Bench. Oh, it made now, me chuckle. Now, yeah, yeah, it, it
2: really was great. made me chuckle. And, yeah. it, and it said yeah.
0: something. <laughs> Here was somebody who'd come into politics with a passion. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't scripted. It was off the. Well, he might have thought about it before, but it, but it wasn't reading off a sheet of news, a, yeah, a, a, a sheet of paper. Yeah, he was actually getting up and doing it, and it was just such a relief to see. Yeah. It.
2: So you touched on the European Parliament. Um, mm. You know, you, 2010, you stood up, uh, and you said that the president of the European Council had the appearance of a damp rag. Mm. Um, and, uh, and the um, charisma, charisma of a
0: damn brag, And the uh,
2: appearance and the of a low grade bank clerk. Where did that come from? Um, and in 2016, the You're Not Laughing Now speech. Sort of, you know, I can't imagine after something like that. You're standing at the water cooler with all of mm. these sort of colleagues. If that's what no, they aren't are. colleagues. No? no, you know, I mean, do you do you the end up in, do, you, do you end up in the boiler room cupboard as an office? <laughs> you know, are they spiking your <coughs> drinks? What, it, what?
0: How how can you then coexist with these people? There were, afterwards? of course, people. There were, mm. of course, decent people. Yeah, who were European mm. federalists who accepted I had a different point of view but they were in the minority. In the main, uh, this was their religion.
1: Mm.
0: you know. And I was there in the temple, mm. daring to blaspheme yeah. in this way. So generally the behavior of the other MEPs towards me was beastly. Mm. Um, the behavior towards me in Brussels, I mean, astonishing. You know, there was a shop opposite the parliament. And I used to go in there quite regularly half seven, 20 to eight, get a takeaway coffee Mm -hmm. to cross the road and go to the office. And for years, I popped in and got a coffee and sometimes got a sandwich. Um, And there was one day in 2016, I went in there, ordered the coffee. No, we're not serving it. (laughs) So the coffee shop wouldn't serve me. My favorite pub, it was a good pub. We found a great little pub, small pub, and, I mean, UKIP spent a lot of money in that. Uh, uh, we really did. And one day, the boss just said, "No, I'm sorry, you can't come in." Yeah, we've been threatened. We've been threatened that if we continue to serve you, you know, we'll lose all the business from all the European institutions. Really? Yeah, restaurants wouldn't serve me. So, I mean, it really the was. The mafia, isn't it? It really was. And hmm. the police had been told, and this is not a conspiracy theory. After that Van Rompuy speech that caused uproar. I mean, I, and I was fined for it. I you know.
2: suppose <laughs> four or five thousand euros or something. Best PR yeah, bill ever, three thousand yeah, euros. Thank it. you very yeah, much.
0: Yeah. Um, I was tipped off. I was tipped off by somebody who worked close to the bosses of the institutions and told, do not be out downtown at night. The Brussels police have all got your photograph. You will get picked up and they will find drugs in your pocket. Really? Mm. It's it's quite sinister. And I remember two or three years later, a big European summit was on. I was going in to do an interview, and the foyer of this building was the restroom for the off-duty police officers. And I walked through the door and three hundred police officers all turned around and stared at me. Really? It was extraordinary. Mm. So so it was you know, it wasn't nice over there. Mm. Uh, but it was it was it, it did feel like combat mm. um, of a kind, but you know what? <laughs> you don't care, do you? I know, I You care don't ask. care. No, I don't care. I don't care. You're pretty thick-skinned, actually. I don't care. Yeah, it's funny, you know, there's been a book just written about me by Michael Crick. He spent two years working on this book. And, you know, he's interviewed a few people who've said disobliging things, um, nearly always political people who perhaps thought they were better than me and it didn't work out the way they wanted. Yeah. Um, from what I can make out, the book's fair. Because it says, this person says that about Nigel. This person says the other. You're the reader. Make your own mind up. And yesterday, everyone said to me, oh, have you read the book yet? You know, have you read all these reviews? I said, no. "No." You know, I couldn't care less. Mm And they go, no, come on. Come on, you have bought a copy, really, haven't you? Mm -hmm. No, I couldn't care less. And I think there's something in all. There is something in this about just being true to yourself. And I first picked this up. In 2014, I was leading UKIP into the European elections, and with about five weeks to go, we hit the lead. We were topping the opinion polls. I remember this. For the European elections. And I can tell you something the only thing in life worse than being behind is being ahead. <laughs> because your head's up over the parapet, mm. and everybody's firing at you. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a morning, Sunday morning, It was the first time for at least a month that I wasn't up in London doing Sunday morning shows. I was at home. half a seven, the landline rings. Sunday morning. And it's my lawyer. Oh, my goodness gracious me. What's this? He said, Nigel, if you haven't, you know, turned the computer on, if you haven't been out and bought the newspapers, just don't. Just don't. Just don't do it. Just ignore everything. Don't answer the phone. Have a morning off. Have a day off. Uh, just ignore everything they're writing about you. So he said, because if you read this stuff, it'll really start to damage your confidence. Mm. And that was the first time. Before that, I kind of, you know, thought, oh, what, what do yeah, they mean by that yeah, word? Or, yeah. I, and that was the first time I'd been given that advice, and it was actually very, very good advice. That doesn't mean that you close your ears. Mm. You know, There are people around you who, who will say, well, you know, you maybe didn't get that quite right or whatever. And that's fine. You know, trusted people that say those things to you, trusted people that you listen to. Uh, But if you reach a level, particularly in this country, where we do have a much more combative press. Mm. uh, If you love to travel like me and you
1: understand the power in escaping the money for time exchange trap, but you just don't know how to do it, then building an Airbnb consultancy business could be exactly what you have been looking for. Right now in the UK, Minimal startup costs, zero risk, and almost unlimited potential. Sound good? Welcome to the Airbnb consultant. Contact us through any of the channels included in the studio notes to get the conversation started.
0: But that's a good thing, because we have a press that express a big range of opinions. And I well, don't know what you do. I mean, I'm, sure, you know, I'm sure if you're a Premier League footballer, you know, after a roughish game, mm. the last thing you should do is read the Sunday mm. papers. So, you know, I, I just don't let it worry me. So lots of what you do
2: is, you know, sort of generating some public discourse. I don't know, you, you might jump onto something and use it as a platform. Mm. Um, so, you know, people coming over the channel, you know, living in hotels. Obviously, these vaccine mandates, this was mm. a big thing. I remember the doctor, uh, there was Djokovic in Australia. Yep, Um, I remember you went went over to... to I went to join the family, I did, yeah, Yeah,
0: whilst he he was incarcerated Mm -hmm. in Australia. The channel thing is interesting. So it was right at the start of lockdown, and it was clear to me the numbers that were coming were dwarfing the numbers that had come in 2019 and 2018. And yet, literally, there was no coverage. It was not being covered at all by the broadcasters and others. And I could see that, effectively... We put a sign on the White Cliffs of Dover, mm. which said "All welcome, anyone can come," you know. And and so I got onto that because nobody else was doing
2: it. But it has that that is now in the mainstream now. Mm. Priti Patel has, mm. you know, she, she's got pressure to. I don't know whether she is dealing with it, but
0: she at least it's being talked about because of your yeah, coverage. Yeah, I, I I did help make that a proper issue. Yeah, mm. I did. And and where I went, the mainstream media followed. To be honest, um, and it is a huge issue. And this year, goodness only knows what the numbers will be unless something really radical Well, how changes. many
2: are coming across, I mean, that we know of?
0: Well, the official figure last year was 28,400. Uh, that's across the channel. Yeah. Uh, in the back of lorries, about 9,000 that we know of. Mm. Um, likely with the lorries, a lot, lot, lot more yeah. than that came. Um, with coming across the channel, I would think a few hundred. Would have escaped. I don't think it's more than that. Oh, okay. Um, but it's a major issue. Um, I've checked the figures. It's eighty-seven percent young men, mm. undocumented. Don't tell me these are refugees. You know, this is part of it. This is part of a criminal trafficking trade, mm. and it's getting these young men into Britain. Many of whom will finish up in criminality. Mm-hmm. And many of whom will finish up in modern day slavery. Mm. And no one seems to worry. No one seems to care.
2: Well, it's just perpetuated by the sort of useful
0: idiots. Yes. The, the oh, yeah, what I, I mean, I, I, I believe that too. This year, is it going to be 50,000? Is it going to be 60,000? Is it going to be 7 I've no idea. It's going to be enormous, unless something radical happens. But I think we need Brexit 2.0. And I think Brexit 2.0 is we have to leave the European Court of Human Rights and completely change the incorporation of all of that into the Human Rights Act by Tony Blair in the late nineteen nineties.
2: Who's going to do this? I mean, Jacob Rees-Mogg with the Brexit opportunity ministerial no, role no, has got. It's,
0: it's not for him to do.
2: Is, is Boris interested? No, it's not
0: for him to do. Uh, but I'm pleased that Jacob's got that job. By the way, very pleased.
2: And it, you think he's going to do stuff? Well, he's actually
0: going to. I mean, for example, where's the Brexit dividend? I mean, for example, well, hmm. it hasn't existed particularly, although. In geopolitics it has, the AUKUS deal with Australia being a very yep. good example, the vaccine rollout being mm. a very good example. Yeah. The fact we're the first out of all restrictions, Brussels would have said, please don't do this, had we still been there. Um, we, and
2: we would have been subservient and had to listen to them, I presume. Uh, we,
0: uh, a degree of cooperation yeah. with our European <laughs> <laughs> dear partners dear is, yeah, is yeah. the way they would have put yeah. it. Yeah. In many uh, of the of, 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 of the economic areas, no, but, it's, but it's, it, it is interesting. I mean, just, just a week into, Jacob Rees-Mogg getting that job. We're now talking about radically reforming some of the directives that hang over the British insurance industry. I've seen that. Over capital. There's one little example of something where it does actually at last appear. Mm. We're having a proper conversation about it. So we need to crack on and do that. When it comes to, as I say, the European Court of Human Rights, European Convention, all of those things, this has to come from the Home Secretary. It has to come from Priti Patel, but it needs the boss to agree.
2: Is he interested? No. I mean, is he interested in any of that stuff? No. Was it not just a platform to get elected? He's He's a a
0: metropolitan liberal. He is the metropolitan elite. Uh, You know, when he was mayor of London, he even talked about amnesties for illegal immigrants. Um, And for all those watching, you know, who think, (gasps) We shouldn't even be discussing this subject. What's really interesting... we need to discuss. But a really large number, increasing number of people and their families who've legally come to Britain Mm. and gone through the hoops and paid the money, they feel more strongly about this than you and I do. Well, I talk to quite a few of them, and and
2: that's exactly what they say to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We've got to get this right. Uh, Boris, all the while he's PM, I can't see it.
2: So, with a lot of these sort of issues, the mainstream media, the BBC, the Channel 4s, they're not going to want to cover it. You, I know, have used, you've got GB News now, but prior to that you were really into social media. I think you've said YouTube really pushed you on. How, how much has social media, YouTube oh, provided I mean, I mean, look, a platform you know, for you? I'll
0: tell you what, there was a period uh, between 2004 and 2009, my second term in the European Parliament, there was a period in the middle of that, sort of six, seven, oh, six, seven, when I seriously considered packing it up. I seriously considered walking away because I wasn't making any impact. You know, getting on question time once a year mm. yeah. just wasn't enough to make yeah. a serious impact. Um, and then suddenly YouTube arrives, the financial crisis of 08 comes, mm. and suddenly speeches I'm giving, because I'm by now a group leader in the European Parliament, and suddenly speeches I'm giving in the European Parliament are appearing on the laptops and dealer screens of traders sitting in the city of London. And that was because a firm called Zero Hedge, big financial markets website, had picked up on the stuff that I was talking about, had picked up on the crisis. We're turning these into YouTube films and putting them out. Um, And by the time we got to Herman Van Rompuy and the charisma of a damp rag speech, YouTube was flying Mm. and without it, To be honest, I could never have done a quarter of the things that I've done. So social media really was the way that that, that all of this happened. There's no question about that Uh, equally for Trump in 16. You know, Twitter was his way of getting around the back of the New York Times and CNN and all of these people and reaching directly to vast numbers of people. But it is now those very social media companies who've now become tech giants on the most astonishing scale who are now horrified mm-hmm. by what their inventions have led to? I mean, you know, democracy and free speech—very dangerous disease. Something's got to be done about it. Clearly, Well, they're controlling it all. They are now so powerful. They're canceling. They're now so powerful, and to think that Nick Clegg, mm-hmm. you know, is now in this position is almost <laughs> beyond belief. Head of policy, is he? You know. Facebook. Is well, he isn't. Yeah. I'm basically joint second equal in, yeah. the, in, in the whole shooting yeah. match. Yeah. Um, so That's it is disturbing, hard. it is worrying, you know, the fact that whether you like Trump's style or not, but the fact that, you know, he was banned from Twitter on the same day that Kabul fell and the leadership of the Taliban was still mm-hmm. tweeting is one example of what's gone wrong. There are challenges. And
2: still tweeting now.
0: Yep. And they're still alive. Oh, I, 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 I know, I know. It's I know. bizarre, I know. isn't it's, it? You, you I mean, imagine. the
2: equivalence, you, you know, oh, Trump, the insurrection.
0: Yeah. We, we, we've, we've got, these, people's
1: heads off. We've
0: got they, these challenges, you know, we've got these challenges, Rumble, we've got these challenges, Parler, we've got these challenges, Getter, we've got these challenges, Trump's Truth, Social, there are challenges now coming into the marketplace, but whether any of them are heavily capitalised enough to really take on the big companies, well, time will tell, I just don't know, but I'm I'm deeply concerned. Um, about the impacts on free speech. And I think, <coughs> really, I mean, during the pandemic, I mean, anybody that questioned lockdown policy questioned jabs over oh, the way. Fifth jab's on its way for the over 75s. Fifth jab, mm. but the autumn is on its way. <laughs> you can make of that whatever you want to. Um, but anybody that even questioned this stuff found themselves getting suspended, mm. taken off. But that is worrying.
2: The whole thing is bizarre. Um, so you know i'm not I'm not suggesting that you know for one second that illegal immigration is the way forward. Um, hmm. you know we, we we we've just talked about all these people coming over the channel. We had a lot of legal migration prior to Brexit. We still do. That's interesting. However, Let's say there are 30 million people in the employment market around that figure in this country. According to the ONS, about one, 1.3 of them have gone. Now, lots have retired, lots have decided through the pandemic that they're not going to do it anymore. Um, I guess some have gone home, you know, back to, I don't know, where, wherever they came from in the, in the EU. Um, what are we going to do to fill this big hole? You know, we've got a business... We're, 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 let's say we're a small employer. Maybe we've got seventy staff. Wages are rising sharply. We cannot find the right people. We can't find marketing people. We can't find sales people. We can't find property managers. You know, we're having on our con- in our construction company, we're having people problems finding, you know, labour on site. You know, I've got I'm friends with a, a daffodil farmer. Um, you know, and he, he used to get sort of a lot of EU migrants to, to, mm. to, to, to pick his fields. He cannot get, an, you know, a, a sort of somebody, a native, an English person, he can't get one of them, even whilst offering them £400 a day to pick daffodils. He, he's had to let loads of them go to waste. How do we
0: fix this? What do we do well, about we this go on, We can't go on relying on mass foreign labour. British population has risen by 8 million since 2000. 8 million. Uh, It's almost incomprehensible. And 84% of that is down to immigration. Is that 15%? Yeah, it's a big lump. When it comes to getting GP appointments, when it comes to buying houses, when it comes to getting kids in primary schools, when it comes to, you know, why have they put smart motorways in? Because the three-lane motorway with a hard shoulder can't cope a number of cars on it all this stuff so the impact on our way of life has not been positive it may well have been positive for many businesses and it may well have been positive for many migrants who've come to britain and done well and good for them but you can't have an unlimited flow of this look i do think shortages of labor shortages of materials rising prices this is part of the inflationary spiral that we're in we've basically massively increased the money supply with the same amount of underlying product and that, it, and, and that does include labor.
2: We've also shut half of the productive capacity, you know, of, of you know all the factories around the world, the offices work from home. Hmm. You know, there's all these supp- a lot of these supply chains are broken, cars manufacturing, you know, that has to have an impact.
0: But uh, look it does of course it yeah. does. But but look, let me say this to you. You know, if you absolutely can't get daffodil pickers on something on the silly isles or, or or the west tip of cornwall, lincolnshire. Um, lincolnshire fine. Um, right, I was miles out on that one. Then. <laughs> the, if, you absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> if you absolutely can't get them, uh, then I've no objection to you being able to get work permit labour. But that means no social security benefits, mm. no health benefits, that must all be covered. And if it's a strict contract for six months or whatever it is, that, that's fine. If we absolutely need foreign labour. But I do think ah, there are two things we need to do in this country, uh, and they're both difficult. The first is we need to have a different conversation with young people about what they do with their lives aged 18. I have been a constant critic of this move just to send more and more young people to university. Tony Blair. Yeah, and, and, and supported by the Conservatives. 50%. All the way through. All the way through. And so a large number of youngsters in their middle, late 20s feel horrendously let down uh, by being promised this was the yeah. ticket to a great job and a great life. And in many cases, it simply hasn't been. So a reorientation towards trades, skills, jobs, you know, things like that, uh, would be really important. I mean, take, I mean, take, take engineering for yeah. argument's sake quite difficult to run an engineering firm on British labor. I get it. I do get the point you're making because we've de-skilled. We've de-skilled. We we, we went for mass imported foreign labor. We drove wages down to the floor. The minimum wage in a lot of jobs became the maximum wage. And with that driving down of wages came a driving down of productivity. Our productivity fell below that of France and de-skilling. We have got this all completely and utterly wrong over 20 years. So a, a sense of reorientation of where young people go and what the and what the merits of university education are. And that can be done. The second one is much harder. I don't get it. But there seem to be a very large number significant minority of young people that don't want to work, that don't have material ambitions, that don't want to have a car. I want to have a car. Mm. I'm 18, 19, I want to have a car. I want to go to work and have money and have a car. Uh, you know, I want to buy some nice clothes, want, whatever it may
2: be. But what about your mental health?
0: Oh, gosh. What about mother? work from home? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I, I'm probably the wrong witness on some of this stuff. But But, no, I, but I don't get it. And I do talk to young it's people. It's
2: confusing, isn't it? I talk
0: I to young people, so and, confusing. and they want to be happy. Mm-hmm. And they think a four-day week maximum is a great idea. But doesn't
2: happiness, doesn't that sort of stem from fulfilment or from achievement? Or Well, that's an
0: incredibly old-fashioned idea. You're clearly a dinosaur. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <me>. <laughs> Look, I, I, I mean, of course, there are different types in life. And there have always been, you know... Uh, The hippie type if you like Mm. who's happy dropping out not doing too much and that's fine If that's what they want to do and they're not causing harm to anybody that's fine But I do think there's a very large a a significant minority of young people who just do not have that work ethic Do not have the ambition Mm. to get on uh, And that's a huge cultural thing and quite what we're gonna do about that. I just don't know I guess one thing we can do i Probably should wash my mouth out with soap and water after this but is make it much more difficult to get benefits if people who are able bodied and minded mm. don't want to work. Mm. But can you imagine? Oh, can you imagine <laughs> the uproar if anybody tried? Yeah, mm-hmm. um,
2: uh, uh, you know, this is this is going to lead somewhere, isn't it? We, yes you know, wages probably haven't risen at the right rate for a long time, no. for a significant period, and productivity's dropped. I mean, there's... Oh, that maybe really worries there's, me. Maybe there's a few reasons for that. Maybe there's yeah. been a lack of investment in mechanisation and technology and all that sort of stuff. But, yes, cheap cheap labour coming in will be a big factor. But at the end of all this, industry is going to keep pushing the government. Big business, you know, the corporates, in the end... the the, the pressure is going to build and build. They're already talking to India about you know, giving sort of special visas, mm. something is going to give, and we're probably going to end up taking a lot of people from something. Now, fine if they're on a some well, sort of yeah. Dubai, right. they sort of ship them in. They're on a visa. Yeah, I mean, and then uh, yeah, yeah. Is, is that is that? I think we need to.
0: I think we need to mm. sort of you know think about different compartments here. One compartment are work visas, and that's mm. what they should be not permanent, not not permanent tickets yeah. to remain. Yeah. The second are those who legally want to come and settle. Some sometimes with families. And that's great. Yeah. And the fact we're going to have a non-discriminatory policy now, namely we won't favour EU citizens yeah. over Indians or Canadians or whatever or it Australians or, or, or whatever it may be, yeah. um, is good. And thirdly, it is what is a refugee mm. and what is somebody gaming the system. So they're the three areas, and they're very important. We've got to get them right. We will need to use work permits in the short term, clearly your daffodil mate in Lincolnshire. Is it 400 quid a day? Four
2: That's what he's trying to pay people. He's
0: he, And he can't get them to pull it out of the ground. I'll find a couple of people. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> We've had problems
2: with brickies at 350 a day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. through the, I mean, it's getting easier now. But, yeah. you know, during... You know, sort of the the lockdowns, obviously materials were tough. It's actually
0: been a very good time for tradesmen and women, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been brilliant. For them, it's been brilliant. If that's not an example... The
2: the brickies, the roofers... If that's
0: not an example to lots of young people, Mm. that actually getting a skill Mm. that lasts you through your working life can be a great ticket, I I don't know what it is. So,
2: the Irish. Nice. Lisbon. Mm. They rejected both, but mm. sort of later on, I think they 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 went they went for Lisbon. Okay. You went to Ireland. How much do you uh, think the presence of an Englishman uh, so, had on that sort of final so, result? So
0: here's a story mm. for you. So the constitution, this was the EU constitution, right? That's what it was called. That was just kind of Stang drew it up, and the French had a referendum on it. And guess what they said? No. The Dutch had a referendum on it, and guess what they said? No, and I reckon most countries in the European Union would have said no. So they repackaged it as the Lisbon Treaty. They even boasted that by calling it a treaty, not a constitution, it would avoid referendums, apart from Ireland, who voted no. I was involved in that first referendum. Uh, I was involved in the support and to some extent, production of a little booklet that went to every household in Ireland through the Irish equivalent of the post office. Um, and the day the Irish voted no to Lisbon, the Taoiseach got up and said, Nigel Farage has hijacked Irish mm. democracy. And I thought, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Lisbon too. Was it helpful? Oh, you having you there? oh, Oh! look, Lisbon 2, by the time Lisbon 2 came, there was no tolerance. Mm. They were going to win that referendum. It didn't matter what they had to do. There was literally no media balance of any kind at all. Mm. Um, and it was pretty tough. But fine, they got it through a second time. But what legitimacy? Yeah. What legitimacy does it have? And then they thought, with their friends here, that they could do the same to us. Mm. And we've held out. I didn't think it ever happened. I wasn't. Just. I wasn't for Brexit. You know, okay.
2: I'm a I'm a I'm a, a Remainer. I you know your other views, it, you know I'm I'm completely on board with. But you know the economics, the the sort of I don't know trade and I, I think for you it's maybe more uh, there, are other, well, there, there are maybe the economics there, um, is of, secondary.
0: Of course, there are bigger factors. I mean, you know, the right to govern yourself, the yeah. right to live in a system that you can call democratic. Mm. I think is absolutely fundamental. We won't dwell on it. But what I would say to you on the economics is this. The eurozone is 15%, 1-5% of global GDP. It'll be 14% next year. Yeah. By 2030, it'll be lucky to be 7 or 8%. It is a, a diminishing, declining little backyard.
2: Yeah. No, it was uh, getting
0: smaller. Oh, That's absolutely. Yeah, it has yeah. been. In fact, when we Why joined, is
2: that? I don't, uh, because they're not all well, in
0: recession, those Well, two reasons, so. two reasons. Two reasons. Countries like Italy. I mean, just look at the decline—the the, the level of economic decline in Italy. Look at the level of economic decline in Greece. But surely their GDP is growing, but just just more slowly than it hasn't grown for twenty years.
2: Has it not? Italian GDP
0: has not it? grown mm. for twenty years, that's, and, that's Greece fascinating. Is, and Greece is and Greece's is down twenty five percent since two thousand and eight. Is it really? Yeah, and you can see, even Germany, even Germany now looks vulnerable as we go ahead. Hmm. Germany, which was this great sort of post war. Modern industrial country begins to look a bit out of date. When you look at, when you look at investment in tech, just for example, uh, we are getting a lion's share, mm. massively the lion's share of tech investment this side of the well,
2: earth. Why do you think that is? I mean, you know, the, OK, you've
0: got the Anglo sort of Their models are out of date. They're out of date. The thinking's out of date. Language, time zone. Language doesn't help them. Language doesn't help them as English increasingly becomes the dominant global. Oh, it could be Mandarin soon. But, 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 but for now, uh, we have a huge advantage with that. They're falling behind. So look, the world's changing. Plus, you've got this massive transference of wealth, money, power and influence from west to east that is going on. Now, some of it's worrying, but it is going on. So the world's changing very, very quickly indeed, even places like South America. You know where economies are so much bigger than they were two, three decades ago. So I think outside the European Union, uh, economically, we're in a much better position to be flexible and adaptable to some of those changes. Well, let's hope that you know, Jacob really sort of. Well, you, but, but you know what ultimately wraps this. ultimately with Brexit, and I said this all the way through my entirety of my career and through the referendum, and I never ever wavered on this. I never said that Brexit was a guarantee. Of a land of milk and honey. What it did say was our destiny would be on our own hands. And that I thought we had a better chance of getting it right for ourselves than big decisions being taken by someone you can't vote for and can't remove on behalf of 28. So
2: we all love the Queen. We do. What do we we make of this whole sort of Prince Andrew
0: stuff? I mean,
2: obviously the interview was, you know, that went wrong.
0: What do we make of it all? He should have stayed in the Navy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's 40 years since the Falklands where he did actually serve with distinction uh, in a genuinely dangerous position. Helicopter pilot? He was. He should have stayed in the Navy. Um, Look, there were just a multitude of problems, aren't there? I mean, there's the Prince Andrew stuff. He settled out of court with a, we'll never know the truth of this, Mm. I sense he was right to settle out of court. Mm. I think even if he, even if he was completely innocent, I just think you know having a fight with a chimney sweep, you get covered in soot. I just Mm -hmm. think it would have been a disaster. So he is um, out of the game. Harry willfully, as, as willfully destructive towards the royal family mm. as he possibly can Bizarre, be. Bizarre, isn't it? Uh, just I mean, awful, awful, selfish, ghastly awful. I mean, she'll drop him, obviously, Meghan, at yeah. some point, mm-hmm. You know, once he's been used mm-hmm. fully uh, for what she wants. It's, um, it's almost like she's just... You know, uh, he's it's, pussy it's, it's pain. It's painful. It's pussy wit. It's painful yeah, to watch. I mean, just... You can use your own terminology. I won't agree with it. Um, <laughs> it was, as, as my friend Donald Trump says... Um, <laughs> Asked about this. I wish Harry all the luck in the world. Mm. He's gonna need it (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then you've got Charles I'm just not sure he's gonna connect as monarch. I don't doubt his sincerity. I Don't doubt his sincerity. I've met him a couple of times and I've sat in rooms where he's been speaking I remember once he got a standing ovation in the European Parliament And I sat there with my arms folded and they all thought I was a Republican. I'm not But I worry about Charles. I worry about his overt uh, political levels of mm. interference that we've seen over decades. Um, it looks like, you know, William and Kate are the perfect. Looks mm. like they're the perfect. Well, couple. They're,
2: they're certainly working the media
0: in the right way. And, anyway. yeah, and they got and she's got amazing charm and grace mm. the way she carries herself. He picked but the
2: right one, didn't he? It, I mean, it what, does, a,
0: what a contrast. It does look like it. What a contrast. And as for the Queen, well, her mother lived to one hundred and one. And her mother did not exactly live the healthiest of lifestyles I mean she lived to the full yeah. so let's hope the queen goes on a lot longer yeah. than that
2: Here, here to that um Boris proper beat in the last few months party mm. gate mm. um you know I you know I wouldn't be one for arguing that those who set the rules shouldn't follow them it you know it'd be rather hypocritical wouldn't it but doesn't Boris bashing sort of Leave us at, at risk, don't we have to be careful what we wish for? I remember there was a time with mm. Theresa May, where you know she's studious, she's she's I'm mm. sure very hardworking. Mm. I'm sure she reads all the briefs that Boris doesn't, um, and in many ways she she you know may, maybe she was better than him. Um, I know you, you, we well we'd all like to forget about what happened mm. just you know around mm. that sort of Brexit period because she probably didn't do a great job, but in the end. He won this election because he's charismatic. Mm. You call him a cheerleader. Mm. Um, you know, and, and I don't know what happens. He goes. No, you're get, quite right.
0: You're quite Liz right. Mistrust? No, you're quite right. I've seen her twice. No, let's keep yeah. Boris there. Let's make the state bigger. Let's put taxes up. Let's reduce incentives. Let's go for net zero. Deindustrialise <laughs> the whole of Britain. Um, anything else? I mean, how is this guy even vaguely conservative? What connection does Boris have to any self-employed small business well, man or woman we, in this country? We we have a similar
2: opinion, <coughs> but what is the alternative? I don't know. I mean, Corbyn. No, was I don't know. He, he was within a cat's whisker of of, of, of Theresa. Well, I Not mean, Theresa May. I mean, was, she was so useless. She was. She was so useless because she she wasn't she didn't have that. Popularity, I, you know, maybe is Rishi going to? Well, Rishi, will be what's going to happen? I, Rishi
0: will be even more of a social democrat than Boris. Well, this this is the problem. So, what, what do you end up with? In 1975, Airy Neve, very distinguished man, uh, captured by the Germans at Dunkirk, Calais actually, uh, escaped from Dunkirk. Did a ho- escape from Colditz? Sorry, did a home run from Colditz. You know, quite a bloke. Airy Neve was going around the House of Commons in 1975 saying, please sign this piece of paper for Margaret, because if you don't, there won't be a contest against Ted Heath. And from nowhere, on power of argument, she came through and won the contest. Who would have thought little John Major would have won when we had the contest in 1990? I certainly didn't believe that he would, and he did. In 2005, the bookmakers had stopped taking money on David Davis. He was that far heavily odds-on to beat David Cameron. And yet one speech, everything changed. Mm. So it's not obvious at the moment who the cheerleader Mm. would be. What I can tell you is when the contest comes, and Boris will not lead them into the next election. No, That isn't gonna happen. What I can tell you is the next leadership election within the Conservative Party is gonna be a sort of existential battle, is it going to become a conservative party in the sense that, you know, it really believes in free market economics as opposed to global corporatism, which I think is, is sort of, to me, at the core. Because if you believe in the free market economics and you believe that small guys and small women are actually rather important to build momentum and you believe in the freedom and supply side reforms that allow them. It actually leads to almost everything yeah, else that goes sort on. Sort of Thatcherite thinking. It's a Thatcherite, Reaganite type of thinking. Or it becomes a Social Democrat Party. And it becomes a Social Democrat Party, which it has become.
2: Is that because are they not a product of their own environment? Is that not because that's what the public wants? To some extent,
0: we're the, back the, to, where I to, to where we were earlier. You know, a group of, 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 of journalists and politicians. The group think. Yeah, very much so. And, and if we finish up with a Social Democrat uh, leader of the Conservative Party, who in policy. I mean, can you believe Keir Starmer's now talking about cutting taxes? Labour of the party of low taxes. Yeah, yeah, but, I mean, you couldn't make this stuff up. It's some taxes, and so, then, but, and then but he's We can finish who, up where we were. You know, I stood as leader of UKIP against Miliband, Clegg, and Cameron in 2015. There were no, there were no mm. policy differences between mm. them. Oh, they pretended there were. Mm. But frankly, there were no fundamental policy differences between them at all. Um, and the danger is we go back to that kind of politics. The danger is that Brexit, which we hoped and believed, many of us, would bring a new kind of politics, actually takes us back to exactly where we were. Before, uh, you know, a sort of just too many people who are too privileged, who are too part of this whole Oxbridge London bubble. And if we go back to that, then there'll be mass abstentionism. Mm. Mass abstentionism, and maybe there'll be another insurgency. Maybe it'll be reform. Maybe it'll be somebody else. I don't know, uh, but it would happen.
2: Scary times. Putin.
0: I think it's less scary in this country than it is in many other parts of the world. And I think, you know what, however badly it appears we're run at times, however uh, little we've taken advantage of what Brexit can do for us, we're still getting some big things right. And there are still, on the other side of the coin to those that don't want to work and haven't got ambition, lots of young kids Mm -hmm. who are entrepreneurial. So it's not all bad news. Mm
2: -hmm. So on to Putin. Putin. Um, he's rolled his tanks into the mm. into eastern Ukraine, I think, overnight. Mm. Um where is this going? Is he is he is he gonna go all the way into Ukraine? Does he stop there or, or has he got sort of Well,
0: you know, where's our red, Finland? Where's or? our red line? Uh, is this the nineteen thirties? Is this Munich? Sudetenland type stuff. Is this well, you know? Hitler said they're German they are Germanic German-speaking mm-hmm. peoples and that's exactly what Putin is mm-hmm. saying about these provinces although it is actually true in the case of these provinces mm. you know I mean actually since 2014 a lot of the Ukrainian speakers have left they sort of engineered it well you know I, I how much pressure was put upon them mm. to do so I just don't know I, I really don't know the answer to that um I, I think I think the West's got a real problem. You know, I mean, he clearly believes in Greater Russia. He clearly believes that the breakup of the Soviet Union happened too quickly, mm-hmm. and there are clearly quite a lot of people in some of these states who feel the same way that Mother Russia, mm. the Empire, uh, all that stuff. Mm. Um, and I don't know what we're going to do. This
2: could turn into a major insurgency, though. I mean, it could be their Afghanistan. You know, the
0: the he's too clever for that. The Americans no, no, he's could be arming clever. them. And... He's, he's he's too clever for that. You know, he, I mean look what he's done he surround, here's the game of chess he surrounds Ukraine Boris says it'll be the worst war since 1945 the Americans <laughs> they're a fight everyone's hysterical yeah. um, and then what does he do he goes to where they've actually been for the last eight years anyway in those two provinces mm. you know so that whole <laughs> thank goodness there. for that it's not as bad as we thought it was going to be
2: um, do you not do you not think he's he, he's he's going to go in no. and do the whole thing you think he's going to stop there for now mm. hence
0: what I said a moment ago. Sort of worked it up. We must decide what's our red line. It's almost like a drop close, isn't it? -hmm. He's set the expectation there. He's gone in here. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's what he's doing. Mm. Where does it end? I don't know. I I just don't know. Uh, And and we don't know. I do think we've made some terrible mistakes. I do think we've aided and abetted his campaign. I think the ever-west expansion of the EU and NATO has been a big mistake, and I Mm. thought that for 30 years. But where we are right now, Given that we've done that already, where we are right now, where do we draw our red line? I have to say there are echoes of 30s comparisons that are. are They're only comparisons. It's not a piece of tracing paper. But I'm, yeah, I'm I'm concerned. Um, But the Germans, who I thought really were uh, the ones that were holding back any sense of Western solidarity, you know, have announced an end to Nord Stream 2. We'll have to watch it. They're going to have to
2: reduce their dependency on, on Russian Russian oil and gas, aren't they? And they're going to... They're going to have to start mining coal again,
0: in in quite a big way, I would have thought. Mm. So we'll see. You know, Putin is not a great guy. Um, I'm not a supporter. But you have to say, he does play this geopolitics very cleverly.
2: So you've, you've mentioned First Past the Post and the problems yeah. with it in terms of... You know, you becoming our prime minister.
0: Oh yeah. Um, well, it's not just that. It's not just that. It's no open primaries hmm. in America. Anyone can stand to be the president on, on a Democrat ticket or a Republican ticket, and if they get through, they can become president. Here, it's a closed shop.
2: Would you ever try again? Would you ever sort of try and become an MP? And well, and,
0: do you know what? You know, is I it did, worth it? I did twenty years and seven months hmm. in the European Parliament. I was fortunate. But for nearly 15 of those years, I had a seat on the front row, a position of prominence, speaking time in all the big debates. I mean, you couldn't have scripted it better for me. And seat number 20, with Juncker in seat 21, just, just over the corridor. I mean, you couldn't have scripted it. What could I do as an MP? Maybe get up in PMQs twice a year and ask a question from the back benches. You could do quite a lot as a prime minister. Oh, yeah, but that's just not going to happen. You know, we're not America. It isn't going to happen. But
2: what happened with the Brexit party and, you know, there were moments, were there not?
0: Oh, there were. I mean, look, in June 2019, for five weeks in a row, the Brexit party topped the opinion polls for the next general election. But then, in the, you know, the the gap was there, Boris filled it and people were happy to go back to where they were because that's what First Past the Post politics does. It's tribal kind of politics. So I think I can achieve more through media, through social media, through conversations like this, through campaigns, be on net zero and going out around the country and doing things, I think I can achieve more in terms of shifting perception, moving arguments on, getting change as the radical that I am. I think I can get more done that way than by sitting as an MP.
2: And I suppose less chance of having drugs planted in your pocket. And, well, uh, I, and your I, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure
0: Westminster <laughs> would, would be quite as brutal as that, <laughs> but maybe it would. I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, you know, 20 years and seven months as an MEP, I think, I think I've done my time. Good innings. Yeah.
2: Um, so I grew up in a dictatorship in the Far East, um, you know, yeah, my father used to say he had 30 years living as an expatriate in all these different places. And he came back when he was 60, and he used to say to me, in this country, I feel less free and less able to do and say what I please versus, uh, I, let's say, he lived in 15 dictatorships you know, in, in, in Asia and, and Africa and all that sort of stuff. Um, most of us can't say what we're thinking. Um, you know, And it does feel like the PC Brigade... And the wokists have won. Surely, at some point, well, the, 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 there has to be a major rowing back, so that you know freedom of speech trumps this stuff because it is being ebbed away. You know, it, it, they are chipping away at it, and they are
0: succeeding. Pendulums go back and forth. You know, I and mean, we can go to uh, 1658, where the overt celebration of Christmas could lead to imprisonment to Hogarth's Gin Lane, Mm. a few decades later, social pendulums can go back and forth. I do think, I mean, this battle, uh, the things you're talking about, yeah, I think this is a battle for Western civilization. It's a battle for everything. It's a battle for the values upon which our countries were built, a battle for uh, all that was expended to defend those things, and they are deliberately under attack. it's a real concern, and the march through the institutions of the cultural Marxists. Yeah, no, these are real, real issues, real battles. Uh, but when it comes to all of this, we're very reliant on America. Where America goes with this stuff is where we're going to go.
2: I mean, they freedom of speech is enshrined in, in their the Constitu- legal so in, yeah. Sorry, in the constitution. Yeah. So it is a little bit different there, isn't isn't it? I mean, here you can be prosecuted for yes. You know, and, yes. and look, there are lots of things we don't want. You know, yeah. Sort of people yeah. saying and but inciting I, but, but I do
0: think stuff. in terms of tearing down statues, rewriting oh. history, self loathing, all of these things I do think winning the battle in America is absolutely key. Absolutely key. So
2: when does this happen?
0: Uh, well I something in me senses is happening already I think there is a silent majority waking up to the fact that this stuff is just crazy um, I, you know I think uh, I think a swimmer you know who was a man you know, identifies as a woman who's just winning everything. People say, well, hang on, how's that fair to female athletes? I mean, well, so I think there are. I think, I think these debates are happening. They are happening. But the biggest worry of all are the educational establishments across the Western world. And that's where government's going to need to be very brave and very radical. And we're going to have to get back to critical thinking and making people understand there are two sides to every argument.
2: They're so um you know students are so they're like sponges and i remember when i was at university you know i'd have lots of sort of sandal wearing guardian reading lecturers especially my sociology you know lectures that they 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 had some really strong views and you know i i was probably you know young enough and impressionable enough to sort of take that on board and I mean, should there not be some form of, I don't know, legislation or control? No, we have to
0: make sure. We have to make sure. I mean, there has been talk in the last couple of weeks from the government about this, but talk's cheap. Mm. Actions are tougher, and you've got unions to fight and many other things. Mm. It needs something very brave and very radical, not just here, but across much of the Western world.
2: So we're entrepreneurs. Do you feel like... We are fairly treated as small business owners in the United Kingdom by the government. You're what? Entrepreneurs, small business oh, no, owners? I've
0: ne- never heard of it. No, no, no I, I don't know what you're talking about. Do you mean you work for Blackstone Smith or um, the European Commission or you're a civil servant or if not, do not compute? You know, you guys have no voice in Westminster, there is no representation for small business for entrepreneurship. I talked to you earlier on in this interview about the disconnect between those that govern us and the real world Mm. out of the country. People like you going out, taking risk, hopefully doing well and making money. I really hope you are, because if you are, you're employing people and paying taxes. I'm very for both of those things. No, there is no comprehension, no understanding. We're living in an age of corporatism. When the left condemn capitalism, there isn't any. This is corporatism. Um, and this is something where we. Th- this is something that we really do need to get right, and that's why the next Conservative leadership election, what the question you've just asked me, will be at the very front and centre of much of this. And the right candidate needs to emerge that understands people like you.
2: But are the public? Are they that bothered? You know, they, they the general public don't seem that bothered about this as an issue. Surely, well, it, I'm not sure. Whole, I'm
0: not sure about it, that. Surely, the whole private there are sector, five and a half million people, right? Five and a uh, half million people out there who are running running small companies as directors of limited companies, acting as sole traders. It's a lot of people, and if you add to that, you know, a lot of them will have partners a lot of them will have a parent or two parents mm, yeah. still alive so quite a lot of them will have kids uh, you actually start to think about all of that and you realize 15 to 20 million people mm. are acutely aware mm. of what you're talking so about a third plus yeah, in the population yeah, yeah 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 you know it is yeah. a significant amount yeah it is a significant amount and it just doesn't have the collective voice uh, the federation of small businesses i used to get on very well with uh, i feel they've been corporatized mm just not fighting and standing up as tough as they should. But, you know, leaders can change and things can change. Um, But but on those front benches, on those front benches in the House of Commons, you have a look, you know, there are no small business entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. there. No.
2: Some of the backbenchers, maybe.
0: There are some backbenchers, mm. definitely. You have them on the show, I see sometimes. Yeah. No, no, yeah. of course. I, yeah. and, I, and it's a yeah. joy. Yeah. I mean, one of the they're things. Inter- they're smart people. One of the things I've tried to do mm. in GB News with that talking pint segment at the end mm. is to get people who've come from nothing mm. and, be, and been successes. And one of the reasons I love those stories is I hope that's an inspiration to others that nothing is too difficult, nothing is insurmountable. You just need ambition, belief. Mm optimism
2: Brocco 40 you
0: know, oh, and, Sorrel and luck yeah. <laughs> and luck well, as well you make your own luck you know well that was the Gary that was the Gary playerism wasn't yeah, it You know, yeah. gee you're lucky Gary it's funny sonny the more I practice the luckier I get I still think you do need a bit of luck in life of course you do you know we're all lucky to be here Um, You know, could be
2: in Africa without running water.
0: Well, we could be or in my case dead from airplane crashes and car crashes Mm, mm, So, you know Yeah, there is a lot there is a lot of luck in life. you've got to be capable Mm. But there is a bit of luck in life. Yeah, but it's that inspiration that people need
2: and I just find it bizarre that You know the whole private sector corporates as well Mm. pay for the public sector, mm-hmm. the money doesn't come anywhere else unless oh, really? you print
0: it. Oh, but I thought mon- I thought modern it, monetary theory was in play it,
2: now. It, oh, yeah. <laughs> what well, monetary financing, yeah, like nuts. they tried in the Weimar it's Republic? Nuts. It's nuts. It, it is nuts, and there's never, there's not even any gratitude. It's just no. sort of uh, they're our masters, and and, mm-hmm. and we just have to go along with all of this. And it, I do. Uh, yeah, at some point it, it might needs change. a
0: redress. Mm.
2: So we all love investment, we love property, we love uh, investing in sort of equities and I know you used to be on an exchange on the commodities exchange. Yeah. What do you what do you really enjoy investing in, you know, apart away from the sort of normal well, stuff? Well,
0: I mean, what do you... so one of the things that I did um, is I put all my pensions and just just gave it to a, you know, put it into very reputable companies to look after for me and Went away for 20 years and did did, did politics and came back and thought well okay these returns are mm, all right Um, you just look at the compounded fees the industry takes you realize how tough it is so one of my projects has been uh, getting involved with a daily email called fortune and freedom and people subscribe to that and we're giving people ideas not saying buy this sell this it'll make Mm -hmm. you a fortune but you know here are ways you can become more self-reliant so the first thing i would say is people need to be more self-reliant more in control of their own money their own financial destiny, I think that's really, really important. Um, I think, look, property, I mean, it's had the most amazing run. And in terms of where we are now, you know, I mentioned the 8 million figure to you earlier, the population's exploding. We do not even build enough. We need to build, this is a three-year-old figure, right? I, I don't know what it is now with the pandemic. But looking at the numbers three years ago, we need to build a new dwelling every four minutes. Just to cope with the rate of immigration into Britain. <laughs> just think about that. So, we don't build enough houses to keep up with the current level of demand, let alone the massive backlog we've got. So, I think property will be stable, strong, until and if we get some sort of horrendous big debt crisis, wow. inflation, interest rate. So, the warning signs are there. Mm. The warning, for the first time in years, the warning signs are there. Um, I don't think inflation is going away in a hurry. I think inflation is a disease of money that is caused by government, and it's much harder to fix than people realize. And I think gold, you know, I know this is not an investment um, podcast, and we must be slightly careful what we say, Uh, but I think gold has traditionally been the great hedge in times of economic worry, and indeed, perhaps military worry, Um, although I don't think that's going to go further for now. and of course, there's a whole space of crypto, which is just so volatile, it's almost untrue. Uh, you look at these coins, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and I mentioned them because they're quite liquid um, compared to many of the others. And yeah, they double, they halve, I mean, you know, but they're gaining much wider acceptance across America. They're being used for more and more things. Um, and I, I still think they've got a great future. I really do that they've got a great future. And for safer investments, look, you know, we've had ridiculous rises on the stock market year after year after year, particularly the Nasdaq stocks and the tech sector. many of these firms not returning. Profits, a lot of it on borrowed money, massive multiples, completely bonkers. Um, And we're beginning to see one or two crashes in some of those companies. What will happen if we get a major stock market the sell-off is exactly what has happened in previous stock market downturns. That is the flight to quality. And there'll be a flight to quality. And quality are companies that make products that people buy and in most cases are bought for many, many years. Quality of firms that don't have big levels of debt. Quality of firms that pay solid dividends, which if investors reinvest, do well. And one last point. Because of ESG investing, trendy investing,
2: there's an opportunity isn't there. are there? lots
0: of firms because their products mm. are not liked because they might B- be in minerals. British American tobacco. Tobacco. <gasps> and actually these look like very, very many of these. They yield, I'm not going to be specific. The yields. And being non specific. Mm. But the mm. yields are phenomenal. Mm. And a lot of these look like very, very good investments. So I think there are there, there are always opportunities out there. Always opportunities out there. But you know the real bugbear is going to be inflation. How long it stays and what government has to do to, to uh, tackle it. But if factories have been shut and
2: the service sector has been shut, yeah. and you've got you know huge swathes of people that have not been active economically, mm. and they're still fixing these supply chains, you know, you go and try and buy sort of luxury watches, mm. they haven't got them. Cars, they mm. haven't got them. That is a supply <laughs> side shock. That is going to create inflation inevitably, surely. Now I know. Mm we can get into this cycle and wages are going up. Mm. But that has still got to feed its way through the system, hasn't it? This, you know, supply- is oh, this is once not su- over.
0: But once supply this really gets over. going- No, I think inflation will be a lot higher than most people think it's you going think, to be. You
2: think it will be- I think it's here for Sort longer. of endemic and, and- I think it's and, here for much
0: longer than people. Yeah. yeah. So
2: I next mean, year it's not hitting 7% and, or this year 7% and coming off? Or?
0: All those that denied it, Including the Bank of England and the Prime Minister, who said it wasn't going to happen, and even in October, said it wasn't going to be a problem. Now say, don't worry. In the last six months of this year, it'll disappear. It won't.
2: Very interesting, um, because you know that's going to have big consequences, surely. Because you know, if if, if inflation stays above five percent, at some point. Mm uh they're not going you know we're not going to have base at I don't know one and a half I think that's the markets you know if you, if you look at the markets at the moment they uh, maybe 10 years 1.55 this morning this morning something like that and they, they may be expecting I don't know terminal interest rate base rate at 1.6 something like that it's not going to be that it's going to be five six seven well what happens to all of these people who've sort of borrowed money on that? Well, and should that's why act actually economic activity will yeah, fall yeah, off yeah, a of, cliff. Of course and, it will,
0: and that's why probably interest rates won't rise as much as they should to deal with the problem. So what happens? In, infla- Inflation stays with us longer and so, goes higher.
2: So they keep writing a letter to the governor of the Bank of England, or sorry, the to the um, Chancellor. They keep they, they leave it and they sort of say, well, there are other factors, and and that's it. And you think they'll they'll have to do that? That's what I think. Yeah, they'll inflate the debt away.
0: Helps them. It <laughs> certainly does. Since it? then. Mm. There
2: you it's go. interesting, isn't it? So, final question. How yep. will history judge you,
0: Mr. Farage? Oh, gosh. Um, mm. Well, Michael Crick's tried to do that in his book, but I haven't read it. But um, I hope that history will judge me as somebody who had a very passionate belief, fought fanatically for it for nearly three decades, and against all the odds. One, and they'll say that you know he was outspoken and he wasn't everyone's cup of tea and i guess that's what they're gonna
2: say amen to that thank you very very much nigel thank you i've thoroughly enjoyed that it's been one of my favorite interviews (laughs) that has been mark homer over and out